Hello, and welcome to the Inside Health Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Keyes. Today's topic is a special one. We're talking the big C. Of course, I'm talking about cancer. Almost everyone in some way has been affected by cancer, and many of us either know someone or have been directly affected by breast cancer. That's why according to the American Cancer Society, with the exception of skin cancer, breast cancer is the most prevalent cancer in women with about a 1 in 8 or 13% chance in developing it in their lifetime. And of course, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So today we are going to talk about several items within breast cancer, and we thought who better to do that with than our very own radiation oncologist, Dr. Jamie Pavlosky, and oncology nurse navigator and registered nurse, Martha Fuentes. Dr. Pavlosky graduated from Texas A&M University with a bachelor's degree in biomedical sciences. She also received a doctorate in medicine at University of Texas Health Science Center at San Antonio. Dr. Pavlosky completed her preliminary year in internal medicine at Baylor Scott and White Hospital in Temple and then served as chief resident in radiation oncology at Mays Cancer Center, part of UT Health San Antonio MD Anderson Cancer Center. Mays is the only National Cancer Institute designated cancer center in South Texas. Dr. Pavlosky has received numerous awards, has collaborated on publications, and is involved in several professional affiliations. Her interests include horseback riding, running, and yoga. Dr. Pavlosky, thank you for being here and welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me and thank you for that introduction. I look forward to spreading the word about breast cancer and hopefully answering some pertinent questions. Absolutely, sure. Martha Fuentes is an oncology nurse navigator and for St. Joseph Health who guides breast cancer patients through the continuum of care. Martha has been with St. Joseph for 15 years and has been the oncology nurse navigator for the past two and a half years. Her role is to educate newly diagnosed patients on breast cancer and what that path will look like for them in the upcoming weeks and months of treatment. She offers support and guidance with referrals to appropriate services as needed. After treatment is completed, she also offers a survivorship care plan with important information for patients to follow up on. The care plan has a detailed summary of the patient's treatments from the beginning to the end to keep for their future reference if needed. Martha was born in Brenham, Texas and raised in Brazos Valley, where she now resides with her family and is happy to be part of such a wonderful community. Martha, thank you for being here and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, before we get started... How about a quick game to kind of help break the ice? What do you guys think? Sounds good. Okay, it's it's called Get to Know Your Doctor. So Martha, I'm going to ask you this or that questions on, you know, Dr. Pawlowski's preference, and we'll see if you get them right. How's okay. that sound? Okay. Sounds well, good. All right, here we go. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Was that right? Coffee. Okay. Wintergreen <laughs> or peppermint? I'm going to go with peppermint. Wintergreen. Oh. <laughs> okay, dogs or cats? Dogs. Oh, definitely dogs. <laughs> Baseball or football? Football. Yes, football. Okay. Any yeah. name football yeah, specifically. Right, I'm sure. <laughs> okay, winter or summer? Ooh. Let's go with summer. Yes, summer. All right. Last one, jokes or riddles? Oh, jokes. <laughs> Yes. Do you want to hear one? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I send jokes every day to my friends, actually. Oh, I have a joke calendar right over there. Oh, my go over today's? <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, man, that's fun. Well, hey, thank you guys both for playing along. And um, I know it's kind of great to break the ice a little bit as we have an interview coming up. So I appreciate that. All right. Well, shall we dive in? Yep. All right. So this one's for, for Dr. Pawlowski. What are some things that women or men can do on a regular basis to help prevent or catch the early stages of breast cancer? Well, um, one of the best ways to catch and to screen for breast cancer would actually be the mammograms. And so that's something that in women is uh, recommended for the average risk woman starting at around age 40. And they should have them the option to do annual mammograms at that time. And it continues on as long as life expectancy is at least 10 years or longer. That's one of the best ways that we can catch breast cancer at an early stage before it becomes clinically apparent. Of course, that's mainly for women. You also mentioned men. And one of the ways that men can potentially catch breast cancer, it, because it does happen in men, is going to be to do an examination and bring to the doctor's attention any abnormalities that they might have in the breast. So if all of a sudden they feel a lump that was not there before and women too, that's something that should not go unnoticed for some period of time. You, you mentioned prevention also. And I think that's another key point because there, there aren't usually foolproof ways to prevent breast cancer. Sometimes it's just the deck of cards that, that an individual is dealt. Um, many risk factors are beyond your control. Yeah. But there are certain things that, that are out there that predominantly relate to a healthy lifestyle that I think um, everybody should be aware of. And that's things like avoiding excess weight gain, because weight gain has been one of those uh, links associated with a higher risk of breast cancer after menopause, uh, increased physical activity, limit alcohol intake, and in general, avoiding estrogen replacement um, after menopause. That's something, of course, you need to talk with your doctor about, but that is definitely uh, highly linked to development of breast cancer. Yeah, certainly. And I think you kind of alluded to the hand that you're dealt. And I think that really leads it really well into my next question is, you know, is there is there any specific, um, I guess, age where these screens should start? And, and really, how much of an impact do genetics play in this? Great questions. The, the American Cancer Society is what I use as a reference point for my age ranges. And their recommendation for the average risk woman, which is not somebody who has a genetic predisposition, and I'll get into that in a moment, but their recommendations for average risk is for women to start having the option for an annual mammogram at age 40. At age 45, it is definitely recommended that women should start with annual mammograms. And after age 55, the mammograms can start to go to every other year and should continue as long as that individual's life expectancy is at least 10 years. And now, for those people who are at higher risk of developing breast cancer, higher risk can have a lot of different meanings. It can be somebody who has a known BRCA1 or 2 mutation or a family member, a first degree relative with this mutation. It can also include other genetic syndromes like Lee Fromani, Cowden syndrome. It can include folks with a strong family history of breast or ovarian cancer. And it can also include the population of people that have received radiation to the chest before the age of 30. Any of these women are gonna be considered high risk. And typically those take a very individualized approach to when they should start their cancer screening, but it's generally before the age of 40 to 45. Wow, okay. Well, thank you for that insight. That's it's a lot to take in. And I know 
it's probably not always easy to track. So I think it's important to make sure that you're always having those discussions with your doctor, your primary care, right? Definitely. Okay. Well, this next question I think is, is certainly, I think would go well for, for both of you. Um, you know, let's say I just got diagnosed with breast cancer and I'm sure that that's not a very fun thing to hear or to say, Hey, what, what, what do I do? Right? So what happens next after that diagnosis? All right. That is a great question. So once a patient has been diagnosed in our health system here at St. Joseph, then the breast health navigator um, gives me a call or an email and notifies me that a patient has become positive. And so as soon as I'm able, I reach out to that patient personally, whether in person or by phone, just to make initial contact and then start the process from there. So it's pretty quick then. I mean, if I were at the doctor's office and I got that positive diagnosis, I mean, you're talking, you're probably calling them within the week. Absolutely. We like to make those phone calls within 24 to 48 hours of them knowing that they've been diagnosed. Yes. That's great. That's awesome. I'm sure that helps bring some peace of mind to a lot of the patients when they're, they're, they're getting that diagnosis. So, well, I kind of want to dive a little bit more into what you do, Martha. So what are some of the responsibilities of a breast cancer navigator? So um, one of the main responsibilities, again, as we discussed is, talking to that patient um, that's just been diagnosed and helping them understand the next steps and kind of a gist of what's going to happen. I also like to meet with them in person. So maybe the first time I talk to them is by phone because that's most convenient. And then we try to get them in to see the surgeon or the medical oncologist, uh, depending on what's appropriate as soon as possible. And so then I'd like to meet with them in person, either on that date or if need to be prior to that date to give them some education. I have this nice little folder with a lot of information that can be helpful to the patient before they see the surgeon. And then it offers a lot of support services within the folder as well. And then just to have that face-to-face contact with the patients, they know who I am, how I can help them. And just, you know, maybe just have that sense that there's someone else watching out for me. I have a contact that I can call anytime I need to, to, to get answers or to ask questions or just for the education or even just to talk to. So that's kind of what happens next. And then from there, depending on the type of breast cancer they have and the pathway that, that we need to go, I'm help make sure they understand that and just go from there. Yeah. No, I think it's great. I think you're right about FaceTime. It's something said about human interaction and probably human interaction while someone is in time of need. Um, and that guiding hand and that, uh, that voice that really helps provide them, um, with that sense of, uh, security as they move forward yeah. with, with the process. So that's great. Um, you mentioned support, uh, I guess, can a nurse navigator help, you know, find support groups? Absolutely. We have a wonderful local support group here called Pink Alliance, which I'm sure maybe you or other people have heard of. Um, And they are a wonderful group of women that not only just get together to discuss and help each other out in this time of need to answer questions, just to talk to each other about each other's experiences. I'm just help the patient feel more at ease with what is to come. And then they also do a wonderful job with raising money in the community to help other women who maybe cannot afford to get their mammograms done. And they help those patients as well. Yeah, certainly. And I think, you know, as you start to have this healthcare team and you kind of have these appointments and all these treatments that are going on, 
you know, how can the the breast cancer navigator work with the, the rest of the healthcare team? I know there's a lot of people involved um, in a lot of treatments and appointments. So what, what does that look like? Since I've been here with St. Joseph for the past 15 years, I've developed a rapport with a lot of our physicians, the surgeons, um, the medical oncologists, the radiation oncologists. And so it makes it easier for me to communicate with them and help communicate with each other, you know, just coordinate the care of the patient to ensure that, you know, nobody's getting missed and nothing's getting dropped. We've got, you know, everything going as quickly as we can and that the patient is well-informed, well-educated. So I can help with connecting them with their appointments, making changes if needed. So just working directly with the kind of being that third person, that middle person that sometimes is needed. Right. Okay. And I think, I guess that that really leads really well, I think, into my next question as well is that. So, you know, you're really helpful in helping them manage the treatments and helping the appointments and staying connected with the healthcare team. But how easily is it that I'm able to communicate with you? Is I able to call you, text you, email you whenever I need you? Or what is the um, what does that process look like for something that is seems like a really great service for people who are, mm-hmm. are needing that? So usually just by phone in my office and by email, um, patients can connect with me and I'm here Monday through Friday from eight to five. They can leave a message if I don't answer the call. And as soon as I get back to my office, cause I'm not always in there, I'm sometimes out meeting new patients. Um, I try to return the phone calls within a, you know, a timely manner. Right. Um, so, but email is also great. Right. Of course. Yeah, today's day and age, right? <laughs> Everyone's connected. Um, well, I think that's that's a that's a great um, synopsis of everything that you really do. And you know, you talked about support groups, but I guess before we kind of finish up on that, or what are some other resources that maybe you can also help with that weren't necessarily support groups? Right. So if someone may have some depression over their new diagnosis, I can um, offer some psychosocial support. We have. Online support. We have in-person support here in town. Um, financial support. If they're needing some financial assistance, we have multiple options and um, for those cases as well. As far as support, that's kind of all I can think of right offhand. The big one is uh, financial and transportation. We unfortunately don't have a lot of options here in Bryan College Station, but we do what we can with what we have. We right. utilize the Brazos Transit often as well. That's great. That's great that we have that those opportunities. So um, I guess, you know, that seems like an, a phenomenal service. And and I know there's probably a lot of people who would like to take advantage of that or, or, or at least utilize that. So does this navigation team have a cost or is this something that St. Joseph Health Cancer Center provides complimentary as part of their patient experience? It is absolutely complimentary. It's just a service that St. Joseph felt was really needed in the community. Being a breast cancer center of excellence, it's just something that's great to have like for a cancer center to have a nurse navigator is, is important. And it's key to helping our patients feel at ease and know that they're in good hands. Can, can I just, I would just like to emphasize what a valuable resource Martha is to the cancer center. <laughs> I have witnessed firsthand her interactions with people. And I have had many patients come back to me afterwards and say, I am so happy she was holding my hand from start to finish. And that's something that speaks highly, not only of her as a person, but also to what a navigator does. They're an extra layer of support for somebody who has been faced with this diagnosis of breast cancer. And she does an excellent job with that. Yeah. Thank you. 
I think it certainly takes a special person, a special skill set that's probably not even really learned in nursing skill. It's just something that's innate that you just have inside of you, right? And so it's a, a beautiful service that we have, and it sounds like we have a great team of people who, who are participating in it and, and there to help guide people through their their uh, time of need. So, okay, well, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit more uh, to Dr. Pavlosky about, I guess, uh, some of the treatment and some of the, the, the outlook of that. So, I mean, now that we, you know, I've, I've been diagnosed with, with breast cancer and I have a great navigator who kind of is now a support network for me or a, a team for me, how is treatment then determined? Gosh, treatment is determined by a variety of factors. The thing about breast cancer is that it is becoming a much more individualized approach. So what is the right course of treatment for one person is entirely different for somebody else. And it depends on so many factors, not only related to the type of cancer, the extent of the cancer, the stage of the cancer, but also each person's individual preferences on how and, and what they want to have done to their bodies. And so I, I think that's a difficult question to answer and make a blanket statement, but instead it involves a multidisciplinary discussion between the radiologist, the surgeon, the medical oncologist, the radiation oncologist, the pathologist to all come to a conclusion on what the best steps should be for that patient. You know, I'm, I'm glad that that is the answer and I think a lot of people really like the cookie cutter answer. Oh, that should be this. Boom, boom, boom. But, you know, I do health coaching. I've done personal training, strength and conditioning. And if there's a cookie cutter approach to a very um, singular problem, it's not going to work. Right. And it's not going to work the way that it's best for that particular person. So I'm glad that that actually is the answer. And I'm glad to hear that we have a, a team of people that feel that way, that um, if we take that cookie cutter approach, we're just not. Um, solving the problem that we re- the way we really need to. So that's good. So, you know, what is, I guess, radiation oncology and how is it different from something like chemo? Yes, that's, that's a great question. So that actually, can I, can I circle back and talk about just the breast cancer treatments in general so that you're aware of how breast can what the options are for Absolutely. people diagnosed with breast cancer. So basically they can be summarized into four different categories Surgery, which is removal of the cancer in the operating room, chemotherapy or or drug therapy, which can include immunotherapy or some of the newer types of medications that are out there that's given by the medical oncologist. The third is endocrine therapy, which is basically uh, something that affects the hormones in the body because breast cancer in many cases does tend to be responsive to estrogen, which is the female hormone found in the body. That's also given by the medical oncologist. And then the fourth method of treatment is radiation, which is what I do. And not everybody who is diagnosed with breast cancer will get all of those things. Some people will get one of those things. Some people will get four of those things. And it just very much is dependent on, again, all of the things we've touched on before, but uh, the, the big difference between, you know, chemotherapy or drug therapy is that that's something that's given, uh, either through the bloodstream or in pill form. And it's a medication that travels through the entire body, you know, essentially affecting every cell that it comes into contact with, within the body to some extent. Radiation is an X-ray. It's a really powerful X-ray that I point at a certain part of the body 
those x-rays travel through the body and as they do they kill off the cancer cells along the way so it's not something where i'm radiating the entire body i'm just focusing it on the breast or the regions that need the radiation in this situation people aren't walking away glowing when they're done correct i tell everybody (laughs) if you Start glowing in the dark. Call me because that's that's kind of cool and not related to radiation. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of cool. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, okay, well, I, I appreciate you, you know, explaining the difference. I'm sure, you know, when someone gets diagnosed, they may not know the difference. And I'm sure that hearing chemo and radiation and all these, you know, words that are kind of intimidating, I'm sure that can be um, a bit uh, daunting for people to work through. So I appreciate you, you know, explaining the difference on that. Okay, what kind of advances in treatment or surgeries maybe have we recent have had some recent development to, to help treat breast cancer? Uh, where do I start? So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, not only do they have new new surgical techniques, they have new drug therapies that are used to treat breast cancer. There's new techniques to do radiation. I can speak mainly to some of my radiation advances, but not everybody who's diagnosed with breast cancer is going to get radiation. Sure. And even amongst those folks that get radiation, it's still a very individualized approach. But right. I mean, just just from what I do, the ways that we we approach breast cancer has changed drastically since I started my training even. And whereas we used to advocate for five or six weeks of every day, Monday through Friday radiation for every breast cancer patient that walked through our doors, we have now found that we can offer a more common approach of only three weeks of Monday through Friday radiation three to four weeks um although we still do the longer course it just depends on the scenario and even in some very select scenarios we can do a very short course of just five treatments given every other day for about a week and a half and the reasons that we pick one over the other is again that individualized discussion but that's huge going from five or six weeks meaning like 30 treatments of radiation down to only five treatments and again scenario dependent but that's that's a big piece that makes the radiation component at least more convenient for folks to get back to their daily lives and over their breast cancer journey yeah now there's other things at St. Joseph that we have coming that are going to make the delivery of radiation more precise and uh, therefore limiting the long-term side effects and making it ultimately safer for everybody involved. And so some of these come with the new technology that we're getting, including a machine that will be able to do things like monitor the surface of somebody's body. And so we can watch how they breathe. And in doing so, we can treat the person for breast radiation only when they're taking a deep breath in and holding it. And when you think about that, that actually pushes the breast away from the heart. And so when we treat them by holding their breath and watching the surface of their body to watch that rise and fall of the chest, when we treat them when they're holding their breath, that really minimizes the amount of radiation getting to other parts of the body, including the heart, the lungs, the things that don't need or want the radiation. So that is a really awesome piece of technology that we're going to be getting here very soon that will contribute to making safe and effective treatments uh, for breast cancer here at St. Joseph Cancer Center. That's great. You know, before we go, uh, I guess, is there any progress made through uh, some of the modern modern medicine that we have that you can kind of tell me about some research or some future hope of the prognosis of breast cancer right now? Yes, I definitely believe that the prognosis of breast cancer is improving over the years as we continue to improve. 
predominantly the the drugs that are out there, meaning the medications, the systemic therapies that the medical oncologists have, because that's what's driving the ultimate survival of breast cancer patients. Um, as much as I'd like to take credit for it from a radiation standpoint, they do deserve that. Besides that, I think that the other big takeaway is that screening and catching it early is a key to having more effective treatment that will be more likely to cure somebody and get rid of the breast cancer as opposed to waiting until that cancer become progresses and becomes more advanced. So that's that's really the biggest thing that I could emphasize to folks that is going to offer them the best chances at cure should they be I mean diagnosed with this disease. Sure. You know I have uh noticed a common theme with a lot of the physicians that I interview with uh, this <laughs> this uh, podcast, and that is uh, catch it, catch it early, or prevent it if possible by, you know, X, Y, and Z. And uh, usually that's diet and exercise, amongst other things. And um, that is the best thing for people to try to do is focus on that rather than, well, what are we going to do now, right? So um, it's good to hear that... Uh, Catch it, catch it early is is same thing for this particular disease, and um, I think that it's a kind of to to put the nail in the coffin on that is to say, you know, go to your doctor, see your PCP, talk to them regularly, and get your checkups and do them um, as often as you're supposed to, and your mammograms, and uh, hopefully we can we can catch that. So, well, in keeping with the theme, let's reverse the roles and play a get to know your navigator game. <laughs> okay. What do you guys say to wrap things up a little bit? Okay. So, coffee or tea? Coffee. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I think every nurse probably would say coffee. <laughs> okay. Winter. I'm married to a nurse, so I'm allowed to say that. Uh, winter green or peppermint? Peppermint. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. All right, I'm going to I'm going to switch it up a little bit here because I know the answer for dog and cats. I think we all do. So, <laughs> rabbits or horses? Ooh, better be horses. <laughs> Definitely horses. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Baseball or football? Football. Yep. Okay. Winter or football team together. Oh, yeah. well then there you go. Jeez. Okay, winter or summer? Summer? Yes. Definitely summer. All right. And jokes or riddles? Jokes. Yes. All right. <laughs> book of jokes, but... Okay. So have you heard about the new movie called Constipation? <laughs> it's because it hasn't come out yet. <laughs> um, You're I love welcome. it. I, I love it. <laughs> um, on a side note, I'll check to see if I need to edit that, but I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you know, thank you guys for, for taking my questions and, um, you know, I really appreciate you doing this and taking the time for this. I think raising awareness for something that has such a large effect on people is uh, important. So thank you guys for doing that. Uh, but before we go, is there anything else that either of you would like to say? No, thank you very much for, for having me on this. I appreciate the important information that uh, you're trying to get out there and I'm happy to help do that. Agreed. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Well, thank you again. And thank you listeners for tuning in. And uh, we will see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.